Imagine, if you will, that two world leaders are fighting a proxy war. And one of those leaders remembers every historical event since A.D. 862 in meticulous detail. And the other leader can't remember when he was vice president eight years ago. This, you would agree, would not be an ideal situation for citizens of the latter leader's country. And sadly, both sides of that hypothetical were on full display last night. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. We have a huge show today. We have a ton to get through. And we've got, I believe, the very first interview with our buddy, the pro-life Spider-Man, Maison Deschamps. Mason will be on the show later today. He just climbed the Las Vegas sphere days ahead of the Super Bowl and was arrested and is being charged with a felony. We'll get to all of that in a moment. But first, text Knowles. To 98, 98, 98. We are experiencing a lot of global instability as we plunge into primary season. North Korea is testing missiles. Iran is becoming increasingly aggressive. What are you doing to protect your family in the midst of all this chaos? A great place to start is by protecting your savings. It's not too late to invest in gold with Birch Gold Group today. Unlike many other investments, gold is viewed as a safe haven during turbulent times because it provides a hedge against inflation and economic uncertainty. Birch Gold will help you convert your existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. It won't cost you a penny out of pocket. While diversification does not eliminate risk entirely, Birch Gold's experts can help you manage and reduce, providing a more resilient foundation for your financial well-being. I encourage you to talk to one of their trusted experts today. Text Knowles, Canada WLES, to 989898 for a free info kit with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers. Check out Birch Gold today. Text Knowles, Canada WLES, to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. That is Knowles, Canada WLES, to 989898. Before I get to the Tucker interview with Vladimir Putin, before I get to the disastrous Biden press conference, before I get to the Supreme Court hearing the Colorado case about why they want to kick Trump off the ballot there. They don't even want him to appear on the ballot in Colorado. And Justice Clarence Thomas totally destroyed that liberal lawyer. Before we get to any of that, the special counsel report has come out. There was a special counsel investigating Joe Biden because Joe Biden improperly handled classified documents. The same thing that they're trying to put Trump in an orange jumpsuit for, Joe Biden did with less authority to do it because when he mishandled those documents, he was not the president of the United States. He did not have ultimate declassifying authority. He had a lot more documents in a lot more places, it would seem. And uh, uh, finally, we've gotten a result from this special counsel. And the result is Joe Biden did... All the stuff that they accused Trump of doing, frankly, did a more egregious version of all the stuff that they accused Trump of doing. But because he is so old and senile, they are not going to prosecute him. Because he is basically not fit to stand trial, he will not be prosecuted. According to special counsel Robert Herr, Biden, quote, willfully retained and disclosed classified materials. So why aren't they going to prosecute him? Because, quote, We have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man 
with a poor memory. It would have been brutal to Biden had the special counsel actually prosecuted him and put him on trial. And that was never going to happen. In a way, this report is almost more brutal because they're saying the guy basically can't remember his own name. That he's, the reason they're not prosecuting him is because it would be like prosecuting a child or an animal. You know, this is someone who's just not in command of his rational faculties. The special counsel goes on. Based on our direct interactions with and observations of him, he is someone for whom many jurors will be able to identify reasonable doubt. It would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him by then a former president well into his 80s of a serious felony that requires a mental state of willfulness. The man who is currently running for re-election as president of the United States, as multiple wars are breaking out that could lead to a global conflict, war in Ukraine, war in the Middle East, an open border with, with a flood of millions and millions of foreign nationals pouring into our country, the president does not have a mental state of willfulness. According to the special counsel, Biden's memory was worse during an interview with him than it was in recorded conversations that go back to 2017. And when I say worse, I don't mean like he he didn't remember the details of some Senate negotiation from 1978 when he was when he was first elected to the Senate back in the 70s. I'm not talking about the 70s or the 80s or the 90s or even really the 2000s. I mean, quote he did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended. Apparently, this is the direct quote, if it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president? Direct quote from the report. And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began. In 2009, am I still vice president? Direct quote. He also did not remember when his son Bo died. He also did not remember a debate about Afghanistan. He did not remember e- even within several years when his son died. So I see why they would say he's a sympathetic person. I have had grandparents who have gone through this kind of mental decline. Many of you have had grandparents or parents that have gone through this kind of mental decline. You know exactly what this is like. And especially if you know an elderly person who's experienced some kind of trauma like a child dying, it can be very disorienting. It can accelerate a, a, a kind of a mental decline. But when we say, oh, he's, he's losing a step or two, we're not talking about him speaking a little bit more slowly or taking a moment to remember certain dates and numbers. We're talking about he doesn't remember within years some of the most important events of his life. He doesn't remember when he served as vice president. Absolutely brutal. So that's the president of our country. Then, the hours after that special counsel report came out, we saw the president of another country, whom many call our number one geopolitical adversary. That would meet President Vladimir Putin doing an interview with Tucker Carlson. The interview was spectacular. Tucker did a great job. Vladimir Putin did a great job. Vladimir Putin begins the interview by answering Tucker's simple question, namely, why did you invade Ukraine, with a roughly 1,200-year history of Russia and Ukraine and Lithuania and Poland involving persons, involving specific years, involving pivotal events, off the top of his head from memory. 
Let's look where our relationship with Ukraine started from. Where did Ukraine come from? The Russian state started gathering itself as a centralized statehood, and it is considered to be the year of the establishment of the Russian state in 862, when the townspeople of Novgorod invited a Varangian prince, Rurik, from Scandinavia to reign. In 1862, Russia celebrated the 1,000th anniversary of its statehood. And in Novgorod there is a memorial dedicated to the 1,000th anniversary of the country. I'm, I'm just playing a very tiny piece of this. Uh, it goes on for about half an hour. During most of the time, Tucker's just got perfect Tucker face looking at Putin. You're like, uh-huh. Mm. And he'll interrupt occasionally because Tucker said, well, I feared he was just trying to filibuster. But then I realized he wasn't trying to filibuster. Vladimir Putin realizes that no one in the West knows any of this history, certainly of that region. We don't know much history about our own region and our own country anymore. And if you want to understand modern political events— it helps to have historical context. We've just totally forgotten our history. We think that history began yesterday. This is a consequence of liberalism, political liberalism, which denigrates the past. It says the past doesn't really matter, has a utopian view of the future. They're not very liberal over there in Russia. They're not liberal in China. They're not liberal in most parts of the world. It's, it's a particularly American and more broadly Western phenomenon. Putin was extremely impressive last night. But it's not that Putin is the greatest statesman who's ever lived. He's a very talented statesman. There is no question about that. We used to have statesmen like this too. We used to have statesmen who had studied history, who understood geopolitics and grand strategy, who had a realistic view of how nations develop. We, we used to have that. And we lost that somewhere. But we, that did exist in the West. Even in recent American memory, Richard Nixon could talk like this. Frankly, to some degree, George W. Bush could talk like this. He, he didn't, Putin makes this point in the interview. He says, you know, people all made fun of Bush for, for talking like an idiot. But Bush was actually a pretty sophisticated thinker, and he and I would have pretty serious conversations. But someone like a Nixon could, could talk like this. Eisenhower could talk like this. Earlier statesmen understood statecraft. Now we don't. Now, for us, it's all just kind of a joke. It's all just shallow, modern political ideologies. This kind of talk, though, I, I, everyone wants to say Putin, he's the worst guy ever. He's just Hitler 2.0, whatever. You know, everyone, every bad person is Hitler. So say the people who don't even know that much about Hitler. You know, every historical event is the fall of Rome. These are people who don't even know that much about the fall of Rome. It's so profoundly shallow. And it seems to me, that if you want to understand and perhaps uh, work your way out of a political conflict that might threaten World War III, it helps to see things from the other person's point of view. Isn't that what the liberals tell us all the time? You just need to understand everyone else's point of view and walk a mile in their shoes. Except when it comes to our geopolitical adversaries, with whom we're currently engaging in a proxy war? I don't think so. Very impressive stuff. Much more to say in just a moment, but first... Text Knowles to 200-300. If your house feeling a little chilly right now, you might want to consider window replacements. Now, I know. I get it. 
For most homeowners, window replacement is not something that you've ever done before, and it might seem like a daunting task. Well, luckily, there's a company that will do the work for you. Renewal by Anderson is your one-stop shop for window design, manufacture, and installation. Windows play a crucial role in regulating indoor temperatures. If you notice a spike in your heating or cooling bills, it might be due to inefficient windows. Don't put it off any longer. Renewal by Anderson, these guys are the best in the country. They've got limited, fully transferable, and best-in-the-nation warranty coverage. I've heard from a carpenter who wrote in unsolicited, said, I heard you mention Renewal by Anderson. They do the best work that I see. I got a cousin who works for these guys and has raved about them for years, long before they came on to support the show. Right now, Renewal by Anderson is offering a free in-home consultation on quality, energy-efficient, affordable windows or patio doors with special financing options. Text Knowles to 200-300 for a free consultation to buy one window or door and get 40% off. Plus, you'll get 200 bucks off your entire purchase. These savings won't last long. Be sure to check it out by texting Knowles to 200-300. Text Knowles to 200-300. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Minimum purchase required. Interest accrues from date of purchase, but it's waived if paid within promotional period. Go to windowappointmentnow.com for full offer details. Putin then, in the second part of the interview, gets to the argument for going into Ukraine today, and that would be denazification. We haven't achieved our aims yet, because one of them is denazification. This means the prohibition of all kinds of neo-Nazi movements. What is denazification? What would that mean? You say Hitler has been dead for so many years, 80 years. But his example lives on. People who exterminated Jews, Russians and Poles are alive. And the president, the current president of today's Ukraine, applauds him in the Canadian parliament, gives a standing ovation. Can we say that we have completely uprooted this ideology if what we see is happening today? That is what denazification is in our understanding. We have to get rid of those people who maintain this concept and support this practice and try to preserve it. That is what denazification is. This is a brilliant answer from Putin because it's both extremely cynical and has a profound degree of truth to it. It seems like those two things are in conflict, but it's cynical in that Putin knows that for the West, Nazism is the worst thing possible. Uh, The West no longer believes in God. The West no longer believes in the devil. But the West does believe in the incarnation of evil in the figure of a mustachioed Austrian painter who became a German dictator. That is the symbol. We we don't believe in devils anymore. We we erect uh, statues of demons and Satan in our state capitals, ironically. We, We have politicians giving impassioned speeches on the rights of Satanists, okay? But there is a devil. The replacement devil is just Hitler. So we, we know that is the, the, the symbol of absolute evil in the West. And Putin says, yeah, Ukraine, they're, they're Hitler people. They're Nazi people. And that's why we want to denazify. It's like saying we want to de-evilify Ukraine. He knows that's going to play well in the West. And Tucker says, well, haven't, you know, haven't we had enough Hitler? Like Hitler's been gone for a long time. And Putin says, well, what about that Ukrainian soldier? that was applauded in Canada who who worked with Hitler because if you're going to fight if you're going to fight the Russians in Ukraine in World War 2 that means you're working with Hitler because the war was between Hitler and the Russians okay now at a deeper level 
It's not just cynical. It's not just him playing on the, the talking points of the West. Because he's saying that Ukraine has been a long contested territory. It was part of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth for a while. It was part of Russia for a while. But then in the 19th century, and especially in the 20th century, there was a movement for Ukrainian nationalism and independence. Around the same time that you saw nationalist movements take, take hold all over the world. And this intensified during the 20th century, during World War II. And so Nazism does become a, a, an expression of a Ukrainian national identity that's anti-Russian by the sheer historical fact that the Nazis fought the Russians in World War II. And we do know that there are some neo-Nazi elements in Ukraine, like the Azov Battalion, which has been much written about. So there's a, there's a real level here. Denazification of Ukraine is an important priority for Russia, not just because the, the mustache man is evil, but because Nazism is an expression of Ukrainian independence from the Russians. Very subtle point, as there are many subtle points from Vladimir Putin. And then, I'm skipping over hours of footage, but Tucker then ends the interview in a very bold way, asking for the release of a Wall Street Journal journalist who is an American from Russian prison. Here's Putin's answer. I just got to ask you one last question, and that's about someone who's very famous in the United States, probably not here, Evan Gershkovitz, who's the Wall Street Journal reporter. He's 32, um, and he's been in prison for almost a year. Uh, this is a huge story in the United States, and I just want to ask you directly, without getting into the details of it or your version of what happened, if as a sign of your decency, you would be willing to release him to us and we'll bring him back to the United States. We have done so many and gestures of goodwill out of decency that I think we have run out of them. We have never seen anyone reciprocate to us in a similar manner. However, in theory, we can say that we do not rule out that we can do that if our partners take reciprocal steps. There is no taboo to settle this issue. We are willing to solve it. But there are certain terms being discussed via special services channels. I believe an agreement can be reached. Another very good answer from Putin. He says, look, you know, sometimes you get our spies, sometimes we get your spies. The CIA is talking to FSB. We'll work it out. Even the way he talks about the special services. Remember, Putin worked for the KGB. And he says, I work for KGB. I would have uh, conversations with my counterparts in America, which is CIA. You know, it's a job. <laughs> it's very, he's very disarming in person. He says, maybe we reach a deal, but I'm not just giving you your spy. You're American spy. We are going to get something out of it. Uh, a brutal, brutal interview. Tucker did a great job. Putin did a great job. The establishment media obviously didn't want you to see this because it cuts through a lot of propaganda and it, it and worse for them, it exposes them to be fake journalists who don't actually spend a lot of time or effort uh, presenting facts. So this all would have been bad enough. The special counsel report with the Putin interview. Then, almost inexplicably, Biden decides to hold a press conference as if you might not be certain that Biden is mentally declining or declined. He says, no, 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 I got to prove it. 
So as Putin is demonstrating his acumen, his historical precision, his sophisticated statesmanship, Biden comes out and makes a, a big fool of himself. Now, the, the press conference actually opened up pretty well. You can hear it here. How totally bad is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad I let you speak. That's you, that's you that's. Your memory has gotten worse, Mr. No, President. My memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory. Take a look at what I've done since I've become president. So there were lots of terrible answers from Biden here. I actually thought this answer was pretty good. He gets a question from I don't, some conservative reporter. It sounds kind of like Peter Ducey, but I assume every conservative reporter is Peter Ducey. And he says, uh, "How's your memory, Mr. Biden, Mr. President?" And and Biden says, "My memory is so bad that I called on you." That's a funny answer. That's actually kind of a sharp answer. So his answers were not quite as bad as people are saying. Even it, people are sending a clip around where it's, it seems as though Biden is forgetting the church that his son, his late son, Bo attended. I actually felt he was just getting kind of choked up with emotion as one would if one son had died. And so that wasn't so bad. The, the bad answers came when, when Biden confused uh, Egypt and Mexico. The conduct of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip, has been um, over the top. I think that, uh, as you know, initially the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. I talked to him. I said, hey, President Sisi, como estas? Donde esta la biblioteca? And then he started speaking to me in Arabic. I had no idea that the Mexicans even spoke Farsi. Anywho, I think we solved this uh, Israel-Sweden problem. You know, on the border... I think somewhere on the border of Israel and Tibet, we're going to finally solve the illegal immigration crisis from Nicaragua. Thank you very much. Not a good answer. That was, that was a pretty bad lapse. And then when the press calls him out, he, he gets angry. President, for months when you were asked about your age, you would respond with the words, watch me. Watch Many me. American people have been watching, and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is they, your judgment. They, that is your is judgment. That is not the judgment concerns. of the press. Uh, no, Mr. President, I am the press. <laughs> it's bad enough. They say, Mr. President, a lot of people are concerned about your age. And he says, no, no, that's your judgment. That answer could have been okay. It's still, you don't want to be seen as the angry, ornery old man. But, but then he goes and he says, that's your judgment. That's not the judgment of the press. Oh, wait, you are the press. Well, let me call up my, my uh, friend, Cece. He's the president of Canada. And, uh, oh, wait, he's, huh? Where am I? Who's the president? Am I the president? Really bad, really bad uh, answers. R really embarrassing, unsettling, just to see those Two world leaders on display, very unsettling for us. Very sad to see what's going on with Joe Biden. Uh, the big t political takeaway for me, Democrats want to kick him out. He does not want to be kicked out. 
there are all these theories. Oh, Gavin Newsom's going to be the top of the ticket. Oh, Michelle Obama's going to replace him at the convention. Oh, unless this man is dead or on his deathbed, this man is not giving up power. Maybe some Democrats want to replace him. Doesn't matter. This guy is not going anywhere of his own volition. They will have to wheel him out of the White House kicking and screaming or stiff as a board because he is not going to chose to go anywhere. Much more to say in just a moment, but first, right now go to hymns.com slash Knowles. Did you know that 52% of men over the age of 40 experience some form of ED? With such a high percentage, it is strange that it's always been a taboo topic. Hymns is changing men's healthcare by providing access to affordable and discreet health treatment, all from the comfort of your couch. All you need to do is visit hymns.com and answer a series of questions on their site. A medical provider will determine the right treatment option for you. If prescribed, your medication will ship directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. Hims provides access to clinically proven generic alternatives to Viagra and Cialis with options as low as two bucks per dose. No insurance is needed. You'll pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers. So if ED is something that is getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Knowles, H-I-M-S dot com slash K-N-W-L-E-S for your free ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S today. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. My favorite comment yesterday is from Linda Cautier, uh, 1670, who says, how exactly does one practice Satanism without Satan? This is the most blatant, in-your-face lie I've ever heard. Holy God, protect us from these people. Uh, Yes, yeah, we should pray to God, certainly, and we should avoid Satanism. But the answer is pretty simple, actually. Because Satanism is not about getting on your knees and bowing down and worshiping Satan. I guess ultimately it is. But the, the means of Satanism has always been the worship of the self. So if you asked most Satanists throughout history what do you worship? They would say the self. I mean, it goes back to the Garden of Eden when Satan tells Eve, ye shall be as gods. It's about an exaltation and a worship and an idolatry of the self. And that's what it is today. Even when the the, the edgy Reddit tier atheists come out and they say, you know, we don't actually worship Satan. <laughs> you stupid religious theistic idiots. <laughs> no, we just worship ourselves. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, right. That's, that's how John Milton describes it, too. That's how the book of Genesis describes it, too. Neither of which the edgy reddit tier atheists have read. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to getting to the pro-life Spider-Man. Two stories I've got to get to first. Speaking of presidential elections, Clarence Thomas destroyed the liberal lawyer in the Colorado election case yesterday. It goes up to the Supreme Court. This is the state of Colorado insisting uh, that we, we, the states, have the right to kick a presidential candidate off the ballot because of the 14th Amendment or something. Justice Thomas knocks it down. It would seem that particularly uh, uh, after Reconstruction, uh, and after the Compromise of 1877 and during the period of Redeemers, that you would have that kind of conflict. There were a plethora of Confederates still around. There were any number of people who would continue to either run for state offices or national offices. So it seemed it, it, that would suggest that there would at least be a few examples of uh, national uh, candidates being uh, disqualified if your reading is correct. 
Well, there were certainly national candidates who were disqualified by Congress refusing to seat them. Now, I understand that, but that's not this case. I'm <laughs> Pause right there. I love that. You know from, right from this answer that Colorado's got nothing, that these liberals who want to kick Trump off, they've got nothing. You say, well, um, Justice, I don't have any of the sort of examples that you would are asking me for, but here's a totally irrelevant example. And Thomas having none of it, he goes, yeah, yeah, I, sure, I don't. I don't care about what you ordered at McDonald's last week, buddy. I don't, you don't need to uh, recite the poetry of Robert Frost to me. I'm asking for a very specific answer that pertains to the very specific legal argument you guys are making, namely that the states have the right, based on the 14th Amendment, to boot political candidates they don't like off the ballot. So can you give me any example? We know that this is a Reconstruction-era provision of the 14th Amendment. To, to stop the Confederates from taking over the country. So uh, that would be the time when, when this kind of provision would be most exercised. Can you give me even one single example of it ever being exercised in the way you claim 150 years later that you, Colorado, have a right to do? And the lawyer says, uh, humana, humana, humana. Did states disqualify them? That's what we're talking about here. I understand Congress would not seat them. Other than the example I gave, no. States were sending people. Uh, the, the concern was that the former Confederate states would continue being bad actors. And the effort was to prevent them from doing this. And you're saying that, well, this also authorized states to disqualify candidates. So what I'm asking you for, if you are right, what are the examples? Well, Your Honor, the examples are states excluded many candidates for state office, individuals holding state offices. <laughs> Put a pause here. Yeah, man, I know. They, the states do state things, sure. And the federal government can, though they really didn't, do federal, federal government things. They, the Congress took some actions, but then they stopped taking those actions. And, oh, yeah, sure, okay. But the case that you're bringing, buddy, is arguing that the states can disqualify a presidential candidate based on the 14th Amendment. So you're doing a big soft shoe around this issue. Can you give me one example? No. A number of published cases of states. I understand that. that. I, I understand the states controlling state uh, elections and state positions. What we are talking about here are national candidates, but Put they did not here. think. It's like Justice Thomas is explaining this to a 10-year-old. <laughs> he's saying, I, he, it, he's, he's even showing a great deal of sympathy here and compassion for this lawyer who is being obtuse. You know, he probably knows that he's got nothing, so he's dancing around it. But if he is really just this ignorant, he's saying, no, I, the states and the federal government are different. And they're treated differently by the law. So the case you're trying to make, sir, is X, Y, and Z. Keep going. I think about authorizing the South to disqualify national candidates. And that's the argument you're making. And what I would like to know is, you give, is uh, do you have any examples of this? Many of those historians have filed briefs in our support in this case, making the point that the, the idea of the 14th Amendment was that both states and the federal government would ensure rights, and that if states failed to do so, the federal government certainly would also step in. So I don't think Counsel, the history like tells us. So sort of look at Justice Thomas's question sort of from the 30,000-foot level. I mean, the whole point of the 14th Amendment was to restrict 
state power, right? States uh, shall not abridge privileges immunity. They won't deprive people of property without due process. Um, uh, they won't deny uh, equal protection. And on the other hand, it augmented federal power under Section 5. Congress has the power to enforce it. So wouldn't that be the last place that you'd look for authorization for the states, including Confederate states, uh, to enforce implicitly authorized, to enforce the presidential election process? That, that seems to be a position that is at, uh, at war with the whole thrust of the 14th Amendment and very ahistorical. Oh, devastating, because the person you hear at the end there is Chief Justice John Roberts, who's kind of a squish, and he sides with the libs a lot. And even he's coming in and he's saying, yo, Colorado, you got nothing, man. Actually, the the provisions you're citing, would, they would be the last place you'd go to make the sort of argument that you're making. So this, uh, happily, this could, be an, this could be a unanimous Supreme Court decision, for all we know, because Colorado doesn't have a leg to stand on. Could be eight to one. You know, maybe it's... Maybe either Katanji Jackson or Sotomayor uh, side with Colorado. Maybe they're both quite partisan. Maybe it's seven to two, but I think I think it's pretty clear Trump is is going to remain the nominee. And I think it's clear that Biden, so long as he can breathe, is going to remain the nominee. And it's clear that Vladimir Putin is going to remain the president of the Russian Federation. And uh, who do you want going up against that guy? I have a pretty clear answer. So much more to get to, but we've got to divert the rest of those news stories, because we have actual news coming on the show. That would be my friend, the pro-life Spider-Man. That would be Maison Deschamps. Mason, a man who uh, engages in these kind of daredevil feats. I mean, climbing all sorts of giant buildings. And in this case, we're talking about the sphere in Las Vegas, just ahead of the Super Bowl, to raise money for pro-life causes and to raise attention for pro-life causes. And he's a very impressive young man. Mason, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me on, Michael. Am I right to understand you just got out of jail last night? Yeah, yeah. So it was a crazy experience. Uh, you know, a lot of laws were broken by the Las Vegas Police Department. They mm. were detaining me for over three hours without telling me what crime I actually committed. And while I was in handcuffs in the back of the police car, they started debating uh, abortion. So <laughs> hopefully uh, we can get some lawyers and uh, make the Las Vegas Police Department a pretty large pro-life donor. Wow. Do you, you say hopefully we can get some lawyers. Do you, do you currently have a lawyer or are you in need of a lawyer? Oh, yeah, I have defense lawyers. Uh, but I, I think the way they broke laws, I mean, they arrested every single person that was on the ground for handing out pamphlets. There, there, there's this uh, charge that they like to give to pro-lifers, and it seems to only happen to pro-lifers. It's the charge of conspiracy. I mean, they had the worship leader of my church at one point in handcuffs. I'm so glad my grandma didn't come because they would have had my grandma in handcuffs. And honestly, I'm a little worried for you for just having me on this show <laughs> that they're going to get you a conspiracy charge, Michael. Well, we know that, especially under Joe Biden's administration, we know that the uh, cops at the federal level and at, at the more local level are much tougher on pro-lifers. 
And we've seen prosecutions via the FACE Act of, you know, pro-lifers who are just praying around an abortion clinic. They'll be arrested for violating this bogus 1990s law signed by Bill Clinton. Uh, we, we know that they'll, the feds are going in, kicking kicking at the doors of pro-lifers and arresting them for, for demonstrating outside of a Planned Parenthood you know, arresting these guys in front of their seven kids. I mean, just really egregious, in-your-face kind of persecution of pro-lifers. So I'm no surprised that they're going, not surprised at all, rather, that they're going after you. What is the charge against you? They claimed that I damaged over $100,000 of uh, their building, which is not true at all. Uh, When I got to the top, I planned on climbing down and they uh, got a socket wrench and uh, t- took off one of the little panels for me to, to slide through and then immediately put it back on. You know, they invited me inside. I took up their offer because they had a police officer there. And so now we have a felony destruction of property charge uh, and a conspiracy to destroy property charge. When I paid my bail... They took me to the release room and then they immediately took me back to another room because when the DA saw that we had paid the bail, they slapped another charge on. And it wasn't until yesterday morning that my bondsman had seen it. And luckily he's a Christian. So he paid the, that bail too and got me out of there. Uh, we still have three people who are in jail right now uh, for holding signs and handing out pamphlets basically. Um, but you know, what I'll say, Michael, is I was really happy that when I got out of jail, you know, I, I climbed these buildings to raise money for women. And that's really where I want to keep the focus on is helping these women and, and saving these babies. And when I got out of jail, I saw that our fundraiser was filled to the brim and it, it was a good sign because it made me, you know, reminded me that what we're doing this for is, is worth it. We were able to save a baby because we climbed some silly building. And, uh, you know, so what we did was we extended the fundraiser. And so all of the extra money that we raised, we're going to save another baby with. So when you say, when you say you saved a baby with it, I know you do a ton of pro-life work, but in this, what specifically do you mean with this climb? Yeah. So letthemlive.org is based around the statistic that 73% of women who have abortions do it because of financial circumstances. And when you go out and sidewalk counsel in front of an abortion clinic, a lot of women, they simply just ignore you and walk into the clinic and murder their children. And that's a sad thing is that a lot of people seem to forget that these women, they're not going in there to clean their teeth. They're going in there to murder their child. So we have to do anything and everything to keep them from committing this mortal sin, as well as support them and save their child. So we offer them, uh, you know, r- help with rent. Uh, we pay their medical bills. We do anything and everything they need to not kill their child. That's that's amazing. So, is there is there a particular woman in mind here with this climb, or is it just more generally for any woman that you might encounter who has this financial reasoning for why why they would want to uh, kill their kid? Yeah, so the woman we're helping out this time, uh, she is, her name is Isabel. She is 11 weeks pregnant and she was homeless. So we're getting her an apartment, we're getting her off the streets, and we're trying to get her a job and uh, just helping her out so that she can be independent. I'm not sure whether she wants to keep the baby or put the baby up for adoption, 
but uh, I'm just happy that she's choosing life and came to let them live and that enough people were able to pitch in and, and help support her. Because, so this is, you know, sorry, go on. The narrative is, is that pro-lifers don't do anything to help these women. We're just, uh, you know, pro-birth, but it's, it's, it's a bunch of baloney. We, we, we put our money where our mouths are more than any other kind of issue or any other movement. Of course, you always hear this. There, you you you're only pro fetus. Once the baby gets out, you don't care, and you don't care about them. And it's just obviously uh, undercut by all of the charitable statistics, all of the the examples of the sort of work that you were doing. This appears to be the most serious charge that has ever been brought against you. I mean, you've been detained after your crimes before, but most people just say, "Okay, you know, no big deal, whatever." That's good stunt. You raise money for a good cause. Okay, bye bye. Uh, what are you facing? I mean, are you facing jail time? Are you facing some major fine? Or what, what, what does this felony charge really look like? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it's a felony and, and two gross misdemeanors. I, I'm sure that they're going to try to slap more on. Uh, luckily, my lawyers are going to take care of it. I, they broke so many laws that I, I'm not worried about the charges at all. But that said, w- whether they want to throw me in jail and that's what ends up happening. As long as we can save a baby, I, I'm not really too worried, Michael, because like, what's happening right now in America is a holocaust. It's over 70 million babies murdered since Roe v. Wade alone. So if, if me going to jail saves a life, that is literally the least that I can do. It's a really powerful point. Uh, Mason, where can people support you? Either your legal fees or... Uh, the, this woman, Isabel, these other women, or all of the above? Yeah, they can go to letthemlive.org and donate, and then go follow me on Instagram and YouTube, and it's at prolife.spiderman. At prolife.spiderman. So if they let you out of the clink and they don't throw you in an orange jumpsuit for having the audacity to try to help a homeless woman and save a baby, uh, what's the next climb going to be? I don't know, Michael. I'm trying to look for one that maybe you could come with me on. <laughs> You know, maybe I'll support you from the bottom, Mason. I'll have a cigar ready for you afterward. But I don't, you know, I was never the most. Say it again. The Mayflower cigar. The Mayflower cigar. That'll be that'll be my role. We can all support. And some of us do the more bold and heroic actions. Some of us play more of a supporting role. So I'll be there to uh, give you a little uh relaxing smoke after the climb. I, I just hope whatever the next big building is, uh, if if these awful liberal politicians want to punish you for helping a baby, I hope you just climb right out of that jail. You know, I want to see you sort of climbing out like St. Peter or St. Paul, and, uh, and then you can continue your very excellent work. Mason, thank you very much for everything you do, and stay strong, pal, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for having me on, Michael. Okay. Valentine's Day is coming up. Whether you are shopping for him or for her, Jeremy's has the perfect gift to surprise your better half. From delicious chocolate to smooth razors to the iconic Leftist Tears Tumblr, to celebrate, Jeremy's is offering a 20% discount on all Valentine's Day bundles. That's right, 20% off. But you have to act fast because today is the last day for express shipping on time for Valentine's arrival. This offer is only here for a limited time. Go to jeremysrazors.com right now. Order your Valentine's Day bundle before they're gone. Jeremy's Valentine's Day Bundle, the best way to treat your Valentine and yourself. Finally, finally, we've arrived at my favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the mailbag. Mailbag is sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. 
Save an additional 50-50% off your first month. Take it away. Hi, Michael. It's the Shuckmeister. I had a question about your brilliant showing on the Whatever podcast. When you go on to these types of shows, are you ever concerned about bringing yourself or your audience into the near occasion of sin? I love that you treat all the women on the panel with dignity and don't dunk on them for social points. But the women you talk to are all dressed pretty provocatively, speak about topics that are intended to tempt certain desires, and there's a bunch of links to very degenerate content in the video description. I appreciate that you're taking the same approach as our Lord who dined with sinners and prostitutes, but said sinners and prostitutes weren't actively advertising their quote-unquote content to a wider audience, particularly people in the creme de la creme who I hope wouldn't fall into those temptations. I'm not trying to be the purity police, but it's just something I'm genuinely curious about, and I wonder if there's a more prudent way to engage with these people. Let me know what you think. Thanks. It's a fear, and I've thought of it, uh, but I ultimately don't think it's too much of a concern. I, I think it's it's still worth going on whatever, maybe some other shows. My chief goal when I go on a show like the Whatever Podcast is to convince these women to stop doing what they're doing. That's my chief immediate goal. More than any show I'm putting on for the audience. If I were just putting on a show for the audience, I would call the women, you know, big damn idiots and as, as perhaps some of the other guests do on the show. And probably then the clips would go more viral. My My chief objective is to convince these women to stop selling their bodies for sex. Then when one stops going in the wrong direction, one can then turn around, go in the right direction. That's my, that's my next goal. And then the uh, general goal of going on a, a public forum is to convince the other people who are at home that if they're in the woman's position, they should stop doing that. Or if they're in the position of the consumer, that they're like weird, creepy cucks for looking at pornography and they should cut it out <laughs> because it's degrading to them and is harmful to the women. Uh, so to your point, does just even appearing on the show, uh, does that tempt people to subscribe to the girls, you know, on, only fans websites or whatever? I don't think in particular because much of our conversation chinks away at the facade that they present on their pornography websites. So like to give an example, I was talking to some of these girls and, and they open up and they say, hey, subscribe to my OnlyFans. We got really hot content or, you know, uh, jiggle around or whatever. But but very quickly then the girls admit, oh, actually, I don't have really good relationships with men. And oh, actually, I have a stalker now and it's really dark and I'm not allowed to use my real name. And sometimes I get kind of depressed about it. And I I really miss this person that I was in love with and I'm, I, I can't get that back. And I actually, my life isn't that good. And it's really kind of bad and degraded. And it would seem to me that exposing even porn customers or potential porn customers to the reality of that is is much much more likely to discourage them from looking at the content than to entice them to look at it. But I agree with you. It's a, a concern and therefore requires a prudential judgment. Next question. Hello, Michael Norris. This is Elmo. That's correct. Now, Elmo doesn't have a question for you. Elmo just heard that you don't know how to talk like Elmo. And everyone should talk like Elmo. So, Elmo will teach you. It's very easy. All you have to do is constrict the back of your throat. You know your uvula? Yeah, you want to 
send that up into the back of your throat. And then you just want to shut off your nasal passages so that you don't breathe through your nose. And that's how you talk like Elmo. And just to give you an example, Elmo will reveal his real voice so you can see that anybody can talk like Elmo. So this is Elmo's real voice. Hello, Michael Knowles. This is Elmo. And you just learned how to talk like Elmo. I hope you have a fantastic day. Goodbye now. Hmm. That's not a bad lesson. My, my only criticism of your Elmo is it's vaguely Hispanic. You know, but uh, otherwise it was a very good one. And you did help me to, I think, improve my Elmo impression. Next one. Hi, Michael. Love, love your show. Uh, I'm from Colorado, and uh, given the Supreme Court deliberations and the likely outcome that uh, um, will rule in favor of Trump, do you think that they will unify or divide the country? Thank you, and thank you very much for everything you're doing. Very kind. I think a court decision, even 7-2, but certainly 8-1 or 9-0, would unify the country. I, even, obviously, virtually all Republicans and most independents and, and even a huge number of Democrats believe that the prosecutions of Trump are politically motivated and unjust. Now, we're not even talking about all the prosecutions here. We're just focused on whether the state can kick a presidential candidate off the ballot. I think that's a very, very unpopular view, even among Democrats. So I, I think a clear message from the Supreme Court would help to unify, even if the, the a lot of people still hate Trump or whatever, uh, that is going to help to unify the country. It's a, it's a low bar because we're saying, okay, you can't just willy-nilly kick people off of the ballot. Uh, but that'd be a good step in the right direction, and I will take it. Super Bowl 58, I'm told, is this Sunday, February 11th. But instead of being subjected to woke commentary and discussions of Taylor Swift every two seconds, even though I actually like Taylor Swift, uh, join Crane and Company's live stream to enjoy the matchup. They will be going live at 6.15 p.m. Eastern, so tune in on Daily Wire Plus or the Crane and Company YouTube channel for live betting and play-by-play -play analysis. It's Fake Headline Friday, baby. You better join me in the member block. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.